Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our gospel for today is a precious text. For it gives us the first words out of the mouth of Jesus as he commences his public ministry. It gives us, if you want, Jesus' inaugural address, the speech that sets the tone for the whole of his preaching. Mark tells us that Jesus was proclaiming, quote, the gospel of God, the good news of God. What was this good news? Boy, everything, everything will hinge on this, won't it? Here it is. This is the time of fulfillment. That's Jesus' opening line. That's the first thing he says. This, meaning his time, is the time of fulfillment. Now, to understand this, we have to enter into a very Jewish mindset and frame of reference. I'll put on my philosopher's hat just for a few minutes here. Some philosophies defend a circular or cyclic understanding of time. It just means that time continually circles back on itself, repeating itself like the cycles of the seasons. So it's winter now, it'll be spring, then summer, then fall, then winter again, and spring, and on it goes, circling round and around. The modern philosopher Nietzsche spoke of the eternal return of the same. Well, that's the idea. It's a kind of mythic consciousness. It can be found all over the world. As I suggest, it's rooted in the rhythms of nature and of the seasons. But the Jews, the biblical people, had a very different sense of time. One that we might call linear. They felt that time was moving somewhere. It wasn't just going endlessly round and around. But rather, under God's direction, time had a purpose Therefore, the past, for a Jew, was not simply there to be repeated endlessly. Rather, the past was a preparation for something that was coming. That gets close to the heart of it. Biblical Jews always had a sense of something coming, something new. Call it a messianic consciousness. We're waiting for something. We're... Someone who's in a mythical frame of time, they're not really waiting for something new. They're anticipating that the past will come again. It'll repeat itself over and over. We might refer to this as an eschatological understanding of time. It just means that time is heading toward a fulfillment. Now, here's something I find fascinating. Most of us in the West have this sense of time in our bones without realizing that it comes from the Bible. 
without realizing how particular, how peculiar this understanding of time is. Most people in the West, listen, whether they're religious or not, whether they're believers or, or antipathetic to religion, tend to think in terms of progress or of the movement of history in an upward direction. Think of all those philosophies of progress that come out of the Enlightenment, that flourished in the 19th and early 20th centuries. Think, for example, of Marxism. So deeply anti-religious perspective, but it's filled with a biblical sense of time. Marx anticipates the fulfillment of history in the emergence of communism. Well, see, all of these views are basically biblical in form. So, Jesus now, in his inaugural address, is speaking out of this distinctively Jewish sense of time. But here's the extraordinary thing. He's not just announcing, it it might come. We hope it'll be here. Someday, the great moment will arrive. No, he says, this is the time of fulfillment. What he's saying is, it's momentous that all of history... All of the past, all of Israelite salvation history has been moving to this point, and it has arrived. It's now. What was being accomplished over many centuries is now accomplished. What was being prepared for has now arrived. Now, we should fill in the details. Again, how a first century Jew would have understood this. Everything that had been spoken of in the Old Testament revelation, everything the prophets anticipated, everything the people had longed for, was coming true. Now think of these practices, teachings, and rituals of Israel. What was being fulfilled? Well, first there were a whole series of covenants a covenant with Adam himself, a covenant with Noah, Abraham, Moses, David. What was the purpose of these covenants? To unite God and Israel in a personal union. That was the point of the covenant. God said, you're my people. I'm your God. You belong to me. You're mine. Think, too, of the Torah, the great law given through Moses. What was the purpose of the Torah, the laws of Israel? To make Israel pleasing to the Father. To teach Israel how to walk in the ways of the Lord. Think of the prophets, all those great charismatic figures. What was their purpose? To call Israel back to the Torah and to the covenants. They were personal representatives of God, spokespersons of God, calling the people back to his ways. They were, if you want, bearers of the divine word. Think finally of the temple and its rituals, especially those myriad sacrifices that took place there. What was the purpose of the temple and its ritual life? To bring divinity and humanity together. Now, all these activities, all these persons, all these rituals, and so on, have been going on for centuries. But there was in Israel 
a keen sense that they were not sufficient. Though they were good in themselves, there was a keen sense they were not fulfilled. Yes, the people knew the law, but they didn't follow it. Yes, the people knew the covenants, but they didn't abide by them. Yes, the people heard the prophets, but but they didn't obey them. Yes, people brought sacrifice to the temple, but still the temple fell into corruption. These things were good, but they were unfulfilled. What's Jesus saying in the first words out of his mouth? He's saying, now, in me, these are brought to fulfillment. Now, in my person, these things are accomplished. How come that was true? Here's how the church puts it. Because in Jesus, divinity and humanity are personally united. You see, if he were just one more prophet among many, another great Jeremiah, another great Isaiah, another great Ezekiel, well, he wouldn't be the fulfillment of the prophets. He'd be one more among many. If he were just one more pious Jew going up to the temple, he wouldn't have fulfilled the temple. He was just one more pious Jew trying to fulfill the covenant. No, no. In his person, he is both divine and human. And that's why he fulfills all these attempts to unite divinity and humanity. Think of the covenant. The night before he died, what did he say? This is the cup of my blood. Listen now. The blood of the new and everlasting covenant. He knew about the earlier covenants. He knew that they were finally provisional. And now he's saying, in me and in my blood, we find the new and never-ending covenant. The beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, he says this breathtaking line. You've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said, he implies, in the Torah. He's referring to the highest law of Israel, the law given to Moses. You've heard it said there, but I say. He's claiming authority over the Torah, that in me and my word, the Torah is brought to fulfillment. beginning of John's Gospel, we hear this. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, who were the prophets? But bearers of the divine Word. To Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Amos, and the rest of them were given the divine Word. They, they were the, the bearers of it. You see what John's saying? Jesus is so much more than that. Because he is the divine word now made flesh. Finally, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Jesus comes into Jerusalem, into the temple precincts, and he says, I will destroy this place and in three days rebuild it. He was referring to the temple of his body. See what he's saying? The temple, a place where sacrifice was offered, a place where divinity and humanity met, but now I am the new temple. I am the fulfillment of that temple. Jesus gathered up in his person everything that Israel was about. And this is why his presence and person were so compelling 
and why following him was of paramount importance. And that's why now, as his inaugural address goes on, he says, repent and believe in the gospel. Euangelion, good news, gospel. What's the gospel? He is. He is in person. Now that, here's what he's saying. Now that the time has been brought to fulfillment in me, it's time for you to get on board. It's time for you now to join into my mystical body. It's time for you to make a decision. And see, friends, that's the whole story. That's the story of Christianity. That's the story of the church. Everything else is more or less commentary. See, we're meant to see ourselves in Simon and Andrew and James and John. The Jesus who passes by, having made this great inaugural address, is now so compelling that they leave everything and follow him. If he is who he says he is, then we can't be blasé about him. We can't dither and wonder and decide later. No, no, the time is now. The time is now. Where time had been heading, it's now arrived. The disciples here, to their great credit, got this. And that's why they responded so promptly. Well, friends, here's a challenge. We're Simon and Andrew. We are James and John. We are the inheritors of this biblical sense of time. We know the time of fulfillment has arrived. That same Jesus, offered now in the church, says those same words to us. I'm the temple. I'm the covenant. I'm prophecy. I'm the Torah fulfilled. And now it's time for you to make a decision. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Join Father Barron again next week. I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you.